Hello, and welcome to the Energy Intelligence Global LNG Podcast. I'm Mike Sultan. I'm the editor of our daily LNG publication. I'm here with my friend Ian Nathan, Ian's uh, EI's director of LNG research. You ready, ready, Ian? I'm ready. I like to call this, uh, well, I'd like to call this podcast uh, Key Things Not to Be Fooled By in 2022. Uh, you know, with a chaotic roller coaster year in 2021, and, and the ride's not over, at least, and we're still in the middle of the winter, winter season. Um, so anyway, we're looking forward to discussing the year ahead and implications for the longer term. First, we'll talk about LNG demand issues, then LNG supply issues, then about some wild cards, black swans. Um, we were talking just before we turned on the microphones about long-term contracting trends, long-term demand forecasts, and how those have, have really actually remained intact despite all the LNG market volatility. And you, you were saying that the, uh, you know, even this chaotic market isn't going to force policy changes in your view. What were, you, what were you telling me about that? Well, you know, and, and that's where we, where we are right now is... As we embark on on 2022, uh, you know we're, we're stuck in this unusual situation where we're still in the middle of this uh, uh, of this winter season, but we're also looking back at at the the chaos of 2021 and 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 trying to understand you know how uh, you know how there can be uh, long term implications for. Uh, you know, for for sky high, you know, record you know LNG spot prices uh, and and rising term prices and. And, and you know, Mike, you know, none of this is great for encouraging greater long-term LNG use. And um, uh, you know, but what we're finding at this point is that we we just don't anticipate that there are going to be dramatic policy shifts uh, that would really alter our long-term expectations for LNG demand. Uh, you know, particularly in Asia growth markets that that matter the most. Uh, you know, where, where growing gas requirements are, are evident and 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 difficult to offset. So uh, you know for all this uh, for all this this craziness that we're seeing and that we've experienced and that is still fresh, uh, you know, it's right now just looking at those long term needs, uh, you know, they still uh, they seem pretty stable. Yeah, is that another interesting point you were making earlier, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with, is that you know LNG LNG demand isn't really affected by you know the quote theater of uh, you know national net zero goals and you know declarations of one country or another. We're gonna we're gonna phase out LNG, and it doesn't uh, even that doesn't seem to doesn't seem to phase forecasts. And you know there are several several examples here and, and several points to to note. Um, you know and. And I think the first thing is is to note that you know we we can't dismiss a lot of the the aspirations and targets that we're hearing from from countries in in the context of their net zero and, and low carbon goals, uh, you know. But but we use the term theater uh, in a uh, in a slightly pejorative uh, slightly pejorative way to slightly yeah. slightly <laughs> yeah right exactly to to ensure that we we can really identify. Uh, uh, or separate out actual uh, tangible targeted policy being implemented from, you know, from those aspirations and, and targets, and, uh, and and we need to make sure that that uh, it's not just lip service. You know, it's not just there for for public consumption or you know for politics or you know for some other reason. And you know, every, everybody's paying attention to China, for example, in this regard, and uh, and it's in the context of, of its own net zero announcement, which which made waves, if you remember. Um, and, and given the size of the market, and 
And it, look, that really brings us to you have you have to pay attention. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, given the size of them, you have to pay attention. Well, to it. Absolutely, yeah. no, yeah. and I'm not I'm not suggesting that you, that that you ignore it, but but part of part of the work that we do is uh, uh, is recognizing the targets and recognizing the goals, and uh, but also looking to make sure that there's policy to back it up. And you know, and that that, that really brings us to our uh, our second point here, and that is um, on that implementable policy. Um, and, and, and it's important to note that whatever path a country might choose, uh, at the end of the day, it needs to keep the lights on. Well, maybe not the end of the day, but you understand what I'm saying. It, 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 it needs to keep the lights on, period. So, so whether it's South Korea or, uh, or Japan or, or any other country, uh, you're probably not going to be able to implement policy that kills coal on the one hand and then phases nuclear out on the other hand, and at the same time tries to dump gas uh, all in a relatively short period of time. And, uh, and, and we're, we're now starting to see some of the, uh, the limits of feasibility in that regard and some cautionary tales for what happens when, when a lot of this policy you know, piles up uh, at, at once. Yeah, it, it, it always felt, I mean, it's a rough analogy, but I'm, I was like any diet, you can't cut out meat, dairy, vegetables, and fruits. You're going to have to eat something. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't cut out coal, nuclear, and LMG all at, all at once altogether. It's a bit, uh, so yeah, no, I think you're right. You do need to separate out, you know, what's, what's reality and what's, what's theater, you know. I think you left out a couple of food groups there, uh, you know, the, 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 the coffee and the donuts and, yeah, uh, and the French fries. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I always find it remarkable how, how much they, how ambitious some of these things sound, but it's like, well, you got to keep the lights on, like you were saying. Um, let's turn a little bit to the, um, let's turn a little bit to the supply side. Um, the, the, you know, when you have new capacity always makes solid headlines, but declining upstream, declining existing capacity is less likely to sort of get, gain the headline. And you were showing me this chart beforehand about the, that showed the, the drop off in production in the various projects. And that was very eye opening. Um, so I figure you want to talk a little bit about those, the underperforming ventures as they, you know, they're a market factor in the tight market that we have. So how, how are you, how are you looking at that? Well, that's and that's that's one of the one of the key factors we've identified to to watch in in 2022, but also in the years immediately following, uh, while while the market is still relatively tight. Uh, yeah, and that graph, I, I, I you know, it's, it's gone through several iterations, but it, it definitely painted a picture. Um, you know, and and uh, uh, you know, there is some context to that that that's worth worth getting into here. Um, you know, look in the in the short term. I was impressed by. Oh, it. I mean, well, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Well, because I I I read about the I know about the various some of the upstream problems, but to see them all together stacked like that was very interesting. Well, and and, and it's really only part of the story because what the graph didn't show you was that uh, you know that there were ventures on the other side of making up for that supply shortfall. But we can get into that in in a minute. But but the point here on the underperforming ventures is that um, it, it, it's just not helpful in a tight market when when things go wrong and um, and and there are myriad drivers here that are worth pointing out and uh, some of them are acute and some of them are chronic. Uh, on the acute side, we're really talking about our unplanned outages that uh, uh, that have been a growing problem for certainly more than a year now um, and 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 very poorly timed, I might add. Um, you know, maybe this is, uh, uh, you know, repairs needed at Gorgon that, that nobody had really expected or 
um, a fire at Prelude, uh, you know, which is uh, encountered a share of issues. Or how about a fire at Snovit in, in Norway, uh, which put you know put that out for a year and and is very high on that on that graph that you're talking about. Um, but that's that's one thing. The other part of this is is the chronic uh, issues and. Um, you know, and we're talking about upstream and, and related challenges, and and this is something that has been an issue for for so long. Um, and there are many stories from Trinidad and Tobago to Nigeria to Malaysia and beyond. I mean, look at Indonesia and look at uh, at Egypt and 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 several other countries where you know where where upstream has been uh, a key factor. And 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 the thing is, I, I wish I could say that if it were just a matter of upstream capex, that'd be one thing, but. But really, what we're seeing is that uh, that above ground risks and uh, you know in several locations are, are just adding an additional dimension of challenge uh, here, um, and and you know and that is you know perhaps commercial structure that needs to evolve in Trinidad and Tobago, or or maybe you know it is um, you know for instance in Egypt. Uh, you know, with the way it's managing its gas sector. And, and so there, there are so many different, uh, you know, pieces to this, but all of it really adds up to, you know, to really uh, underperformance at a time when, when the supply is needed and that these ventures need to uh, be performing better than they have been. Yeah, each, each each one's a little bit different. Yeah, each each situation is a little bit different. It's amazing when Prelude with only what three point six million tons was the idea. When that has a fire, that's enough to shake the whole market because it's so tight. It's interesting to watch. Um, this brings us to some uh, some of the new projects. You know, and I always since I focus a little more on the U.S., it's you know, is U.S. LNG, for example, going to take a leap forward this year? Now, what is what is going to what does the leap forward look like this year? Uh, the great leap forward. Well, for in general, for the uh, <laughs> it, or I shouldn't <laughs> well, say that. Yeah. I should say it's uh, what what is the uh, the bigger picture? Uh, 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 the next LNG wave, although we've sort of been able to, it's hard to separate the waves now. But yeah. Well, sure. I mean, the, look, we're, we're really talking about the longer term now. And, uh, you know, the underperforming ventures in the short term um, are going to be a key market factor. But uh, but that will almost certainly be lost uh, when the next wave of LNG starts to really make its mark um, by mid-decade. I mean, we're expecting about 150 million tons a year of new capacity uh, that's that's under construction and slated to start up you know, through 2027, you know, that, that's, that's, that's an awful lot of, uh, a, a awful lot of capacity. And, and, um, you know, and just like in recent surplus years, you know, a lot of the, uh, the outages and, and other, other issues at, at, uh, some of these veteran, uh, uh LNG, uh, export ventures, uh, you know, they sort of were a little bit lost in terms of importance, you know, but, you know, let's, let's take it a step further. There are around, I would say, around 30 million tons a year of capacity uh, that, you know, have announced seemingly sufficient commercial commitments. Yeah, I say that three times fast um, you know, <laughs> to support, uh, you know, to support their, their advancement. And, and almost all of that is the U.S. So that answers your U.S. question, I think. Um, and that's to say nothing of, of additional ventures that have yet to announce firm deals, um, you know, but claim to be overwhelmed with commercial interest. You know, I think that's great, but but we're looking forward to seeing which of those ventures will actually announce firm deals this year. So that that is another um, another item to look for in 2022. You know, let's let's see how much of that ch- right. Yeah, right. let's let's see how much of that chatter uh, you know turns out to be um, you know to be real real commitments. And um, you know, and I think that uh, you know the the bigger bigger picture is that. 
um, if, if a lot of the maturing ventures that we talked about are, are left to decline, uh, you know, that really just only elevates the need for new capacity. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, so that's, you know, I think really um, an underappreciated you know, piece of this and, and certainly worth, uh, worth watching this year. Um, finally, I thought uh, we, we thought we would be interesting to kick around some uh, wild cards or black swan possibilities that, you know, see what's possible, even if it's, you know, even if it's not probable, just possible. Um, ones we were discussing was, you know, what if, if, if COVID in 2022 starts to resemble 2020, you know, a brand new mutation, whatever the next uh, Greek letter is, um, you know, what if fossil fuel financing falls further out, out of favor, uh, you know, or more robust, or on the other hand, or more robust abandonment of the transition going the other direction. Uh, I can, my imagination can go to all, course, all sorts of places, but where, where has your, uh, your imagination gone here or your, uh, your, your look at this? <laughs> my imagination. Well, it's at the very least. Well, not uh, imagination, but uh, you know. <laughs> to, uh, I mean, imagination is a strong word, but. Uh, yeah, you know, that's I think not it, quite the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the exercise though is an important one. Um, and that is to, um, you know, really to, you know, just to try and stretch out uh, expectations, and like you said, to see you know to see what's possible, even if not necessarily probable. I think that that's important, it, just to give us a uh, you know a greater view of of, um, of of possible you know future uh, trajectories. And you know, in in brainstorming, you know, I think we came up with a couple of of ideas, and and um, and one of them, I think, the most obvious one is um, you know is COVID related. Um, you know, I don't think anybody is really expecting, you know, the COVID-19 issues that we saw back in the Stone Age, uh, you know, 2020. I don't, think, I don't think anybody's expecting that to return, you know, but consider what would happen if, if, if 2022 turned out to be one of those, one of those years where, you know, where, where this virus didn't, wasn't under control the way everybody thinks. And, um, and demand does crater again. Uh, you know, wouldn't that be interesting? Because you know, you'd see a lot of this current pressure be alleviated, at least temporarily, and uh, and ultimately, you know, really giving way to perhaps another recovery, just like the one we saw in 2021. I mean, wouldn't that be interesting? Um, again, yeah. I mean, you know, possible, but I'm not, uh, you know, not probable. Uh, another another example that. Um, you know, that I think we kicked around was about financing. You know, we know that coal has been on the front line of, 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 of financing drying up. Um, and, and we know that gas is seemingly next, next on the list, um, you know, for, for it to be more difficult and more expensive. And, um, you know, and, and you know, consider the possibility that maybe that financing dries up much faster than we anticipate, you know, maybe, or, or that becomes pre- prohibitively expensive, you know, sooner than, than, than we think. Um, you know, what happens at that point? You know, and, you know, we're, we're pointing to, you know, ventures either have to find other ways to finance or, uh, uh, or, or, or maybe more broadly, we'll see delays in project developments uh, that, uh, you know, might have commercial interest, but, but maybe not, not the financing lined up. Um, you know, and what, is, what does that mean? I mean, that means that, uh, you know, if we don't have that capacity moving forward, the way we expect, it's just going to add more volatility later in the decade. You know, and I, I think, Mike, I think we can go on and on with with a lot of uh, a lot of different ways that uh, uh, that things can go go south in ways that maybe we're not anticipating. Um, you know, but I think the message here really is to just you know really keep in mind that uh, you know we you know we we have you know reasonably solid beliefs about uh, how things are going to go. 
uh, in the short term and the long term, uh, but that we're definitely prepared for, um, you know, less probable possibilities. Oh yeah. Oh, e- either way, which, whatever things happen, I have I've got my seatbelt on already for this. Uh, after 2021, I keep my seatbelt on. Um, I, so uh, let's uh, let's sum up. Basically, uh, uh, you know, the more things change, the more things, the more they stay the same in some ways. I mean, vol- volatility both in prices as well as policy aspirations uh, haven't. You're not expected to slow down some of these long-term LNG trends. So I want to thank Ian. Thank you, Ian, and everyone for listening to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. Please check back with us soon for our latest content, which you can find at energyintel.com. <music>